Hello, I'm Elizabeth, an obsessive backyard gardener who might be able to offer you a couple of tips. And I'm Keith, a landscape consultant, and I'm also passionate about gardening. The one thing we both have in common is muddy muddy boots. boots. Guess what, Keith? What? There are only two days of winter left. Oh, thank God. (laughs) (laughs) Because we're freezing here right now. That means the garden is waking up. Are you ready? I'm ready. Of course you're ready because you, you never stop guarding over winter anyway. But there are some of us, like me, I think as well, this year especially, who may have let the garden and ourselves have a little rest over winter. So it's time to get off that couch, get those muddy boots back on and start work. But where do we start, Keith? Well, we've got to start with the most important thing in the garden. I know what that is. What is it? The soil. No. <laughs> oh, what? <laughs> no, it's not. Oh. Be- because you've already done all your soil work and well, done all that. Might not have but we'll have a talk about that. Look, the, one of the best things to be looking at right now yes. is your gardening tools because oh. they're going to require a little bit of maintenance, I'm sure. And that's sort of things like cleaning the gunk off your secateurs. Mm. And all you need to do there is, is use a rag and a bit of metho. Uh, you might need a bit of uh, sheep's wool or some um, some steel wool just mm-hmm. to sort of tidy them up. Um, and I like to to lubricate all my all my secateurs and my shears and all these things, and my, even my electric tools. Mm-hmm. You know, if there's a re- reciprocating part, a part that moves, give it a bit of a give a, a bit of a lubricant. Okay. And the best one I like to use is a is a lubricant called Lanox, which has. Um, a natural uh, lanoline in it from sheep's wool. Right. Okay, so yes. it, it's a it's a beautiful uh, natural sort of a, a spray. You can buy that from Bunnings at the, in the tool section, um, where you might get your WD forty. Have a look. Have a look for Lanox. It's just absolutely sensational. Okay. And the other idea. thing mm. is oiling your handles of your tools. Oh, yes, so, get a bit, you can get splinters, can't yeah, you? Yeah, so mm. you might just get a bit of sandpaper and, and just give a, a light rub over those with, um, with a bit of sandpaper and then just some, some um, oil, you know, some natural oils, okay. you know, put over that. Um, just trying to think of the name of the, the oils that you can actually use now. Like, uh, um, I don't know the answer yeah, to that Yeah, there's, look, there's lots of natural oils that will work okay. beautifully with, with uh, you know, with the, the wood, wood oil. Yeah, wood, wood oils. Oil. I have to admit that's not something I do And then the often. other thing you want to be looking at too yeah. is your gardening gloves because <laughs> they're a great place for spiders. Spiders, yes. I always give mine a bit of a whack before <laughs> yeah, I put them on. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I stand on mine. <laughs> yeah, good idea. Okay. So, with, all right, so the tools, well, I have tools to admit. Tools number one. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. So I'm, that's very important. We'll do that. But the soil preparation is still important if we oh, haven't absolutely. done anything over winter. It's, it's still, I mean, it's never too late, never, ever too late to get the soil into the best possible state it can be. Mm-hmm. But now is a good time if we haven't done it. And that means adding things like compost, yep. well-rotted manure. What sort of things, Keith? Yeah, I, mind look, I, I sort of like to apply manures in winter time, yeah, I know. You know, in early winter, but because uh, it, it's it, it's a it's a fertilizer that's got to be transformed by microbes and earthworms and turned into an enzyme, mm-hmm. and that's why compost is, is a much better option to use because that's getting closer to an enzyme that the plants can then take up and absorb and and use to feed. So I always put um, mul- uh, manures in. Winter and so give it a couple of weeks. Yep, give it a couple of weeks. Probably okay. 
you know, good compost in the early spring. Okay, so we'll forget the manure for now. Do that next winter, everybody. And then so add the compost if you haven't – obviously your home compost Mm -hmm. is great, but if you haven't got enough home compost, we know what sort of compost – where to go for our compost, and that is Clyde compost. But then they're not actually delivering now, are they? They No, but they've got lots of new outlets now. And that's that's the the difference between his model that that, um, he's he's developed now. He's got lots of supply. So you just get on to Clyde compost, have a look – and, and they'll have uh, outlets somewhere around the place yes. you can get hold of his product. I mean, down here on the Mornings Peninsula, I, I was down at uh, Torello's Farm yes. down in uh, Dramana, yes. and they've got pallets of it down there. You know, 11 bucks a bag, I think that's pretty that's, good. That's good. Yeah, because that's pretty absolutely. much what it was directly. It was yeah, about $10 exactly. or something like yeah. that, so that's not bad. Okay, so when we've got our compost in, we've got to make sure we remove our, all of our weeds. Yep. And my new garden that we've had for four weeks is full of weeds, Keith. Oh. In fact, a lot of the plants are weeds, so mm. I have a lot of work to do. I need to grab my FD Ryan Homai, <laughs> my daisy weeder, some knee pads, yep. and, get <laughs> and into start it. work. But I actually tried to just do a little hoe the other day, and it was like it was hard as rock. So I'm a bit stressed about that. But it'll okay, be fine. that's the, this is where you're going to be using your big broad fork. Mm, of course. Yes, good idea. All right, yep. that's going to be the way that you're going to Start. get that goodness down in there because you can push that down to the soil, rock it backwards and forwards, and then whack some compost down into the holes that's been created from there, and right. that's going to feed that soil from deep down. Great idea, great idea. Okay, and then, of course, there's the mulch, which adds nutrients to the soil while suppressing the weeds. So yes. once we've got the compost and the you know the holes, the aeration happening and the mm-hmm. compost, then we'll... Um, Feeding it from the top. Yes, yeah. exactly. Um, pruning. Yeah, That's this the is a great one. time to, to go around and just prune back anything that you haven't already done, uh, things like that um, you, you couldn't do, ornamental grasses and any perennials that are now coming towards the end of their uh, their cycle for, for this particular season. Yep. Um, and you add all these these bits and pieces back as clippings to the garden. You know, if you yes. cut them up small enough or you're lucky enough like me to have a mulcher, everything mm-hmm. goes through the mulcher and it goes back into the ground. So I'm, yep. I'm creating that forest floor effect. Yep, absolutely. Which is brilliant. The other thing you should be looking at doing too at this time of the year is checking your soil temperature. Now, soil thermometers are a great way of, of giving you a good indication about what's happening in that soil, it's, whether it's starting to warm up and because that tells you when you can be planting certain varieties of, say, vegetables into the soil. Mm. And, th- and soil thermometers can be bought just about anywhere and they're not very expensive, but they're a great addition mm. to have in your garden. Okay, that's a great idea. Mm. Now, when it comes to winter flowering plants like camellias and hellebores and cyclamen and some salvias, etc., sedums, mm-hmm. uh, these can be divided and transplanted around the garden. It's a good time to do that and also to divide orchids, I think, or once yeah. they finish flowering. When they finish flowering. Yeah, they're yeah. actually so – I've got a couple in the garden mm-hmm. and they are actually – going into flower now. So that's always good when you can divide and transplant things around the garden as well. Now, what about the fruit trees? Is it too late? No, look, it's going to be determined by the variety of the fruit trees that you've got. Um, For instance, um, I've recently come back from my daughter's place up at Glen Rowan and all her almond trees were in full blossom and it looked fantastic until I cut them all back to nearly nothing. Um, But you'll find that there's there's probably still um, some fruit trees that you can still treat for various 
issues such as um, leaf curl on, on nectarines and peaches. Yeah, that needs to be done at, the, at about the pink bud stage, which is sort of, you know, now, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and use um, something like co-side, which mixes up really, really well. Um, I had, a, I had a, a question from someone saying that they use Bordeaux to, to control um, leaf curl. And Bordeaux is a, a really old-fashioned um, mix come up. It's, it's um, a mixture of copper sulfate and hydrated lime. And it's very, very hard to get that into a consistent slurry before you put it into a sprayer. Because yeah, if you right. don't do that, it blocks up. Um, it's an absolute mongrel. Yep. So I go, I go for co-site. Um, and, and if, if you're noticing that you've got leaves happening on your, um, your apricot trees or your, your flowers are actually opening on, on, on apricot trees, you can actually still use something like, um, um, lime sulfur and you can spray that through quite, quite well. And that will stop little problems like that are on leaves called shot leaf, mm. um, little holes all the way drilled through through um, um, through the, the the leaves of either plums or apricots, mm. and that's caused by a fungus. Mm. So spraying with lime sulphur will eliminate that uh, or at least curtail that sort of a problem for you. Okay. So there's things, still lots of things you can do. Um, you know, and always use try to use non-toxic sprays. You know, Of course, you know. absolutely. Now what about our citrus trees? What is the best way to trim them when they get a little bit, you know, Woolly and fluffy and out of hand. Um, well, I just like to use a pair of shears and just lightly, lightly lop them back. Um, Open up. You just got to be very careful when you prune um, citrus trees because you don't want to be pruning off the flowers. No. I mean, most citrus trees, like most lemons, are producing now. They're starting to come into the ripeness. But you'll have, if you have a good look in the bush, you'll find that there's um, there's lots of flowers for the next year's growth. So you don't want to be go pruning those off. So just a light little clip up, just to tidy them up. Yep. That's it. Yep. Good advice. Thank you. Now, trimming hedges. There's a good time. Obviously, we need to be stopping them from starting to sp- – if they're sprouting, yep. this is the time. To- is this the time? Or it depends what it is, obviously. It, it does. What have you got in the it garden does. that you're – Now, in my garden, the extensive hedges that I have in the backyard is, is a plant called Ligustrum undulatum, mm. which is uh, the New Guinea privet. It's an evergreen plant, and it trims up beautifully. Now, we, I prune that according to the moon calendar. Of course. Um, and I notice that uh, it's just starting to take off now, so it's been dormant all the way through the winter period, but now it is just starting to come on as we, as, as we hit this high-growth period. Mm. So I always go, go by the moon calendar because... It works for me. It works beautifully, you know, so you're not um, going back in a week's time and having to cut it all back. You're doing one cut and then it stays like that possibly for another month or so at least. Yeah, fantastic. So use the moon calendar. Yes, definitely. Now, many of our bulbs will have finished flowering. Well, some will have finished flowering and some will be just beginning. Mm-hmm. What do we do with the leaves that have been left after the flowers have died? I, ne- I really need to know the answer to this because I'm not quite sure. Okay, so in, in my garden um, I, I have a lot of alliums. Mm-hmm. And the alliums will produce beautiful leaves now, and those leaves are actually storing energy into the bulb for next season's um, flowering. Yeah. So you don't go cutting them off. Okay. I let them dry right back down, and then just go. And and when they, if you leave them to go to, to dry right off on the in the ground, you just simply go across and pull them off by hand. Mm-hmm. You don't need to cut them; they'll just mm-hmm. come off easily. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's a, a much better way of doing it, and you're not stealing. It, goodness and energy out of the out of the bulb because the leaves look a bit ratty. Yeah, nice. You know, it's tempting. To it put, is it's tempting, tempting, but don't do it. We've got to do it. We've got to learn how to do it. 
Yes, t- <laughs> don't touch, exactly. Uh, now, what vegetables should we plant first, Keith, when it comes to the vegetable garden? Right. So this is where, this is where um, you really need to be checking your soil temperature. Yes. Okay, so um, the, the old adage is that you would be planting tomato seedlings um, around about end of October, coming into November. So all our all our seedlings are all up and growing at home. We've um, we're going to be dividing those up and repotting them, them as seedlings, mm-hmm. and then they'll go into the ground in probably around about October, mm-hmm. because what we're looking for is a soil temperature around about eighteen degrees Celsius, okay, and that's so not, not going to come not there yet. Not there yet. No, no. it's it's down about twelve at the moment, ten to twelve at the moment. Okay. So it's got a way to go, and then in terms of of um, your summer cropping vegetables such as the curcurbit family, so cucumber and, you know, zucchinis and all these sorts of things, melons, mm. you need a soil temperature up around about the 22 mark before mm-hmm. you put those in. Because mm-hmm. they go in too early, there's just not enough moisture, not enough temperature in the soil to stimulate the root growth yep. and therefore the growth itself. Okay. So you'll get plants okay, that will just, just sit there and do nothing. Okay. So as I said, get a soil thermometer, just a great little tool to be checking your soil temperature out with. Okay, so it's a bit early to be planting much in the garden. And it's, you're exactly. You, know, you can winter do lettuce, vegetables. for instance. Yeah. Um, we've got we, – we do a lot of successional planting, you mm. know, so we've got a lot of brassicas in the garden at the moment and we've, um, we've trialling some other brassicas that have been an absolute useless plant. Um, so that's you won't the, be doing the purple, them again? The purple, purple uh, broccoli. Absolutely hopeless. Oh, um, whereas the green sprouting broccoli, we've, we've had the main head off it, but we're getting side shoots of broccolini now, which is just fantastic. Yeah, so we've got those all going, um, and we've got a successional planting of those, which will take us all the way through until the tomatoes go in. And it'll give us about a week's time that we get the soil recomposted and ready for those. Oh, you are so in order. order Organised with your vegetable Gotta garden. Be. I've got to learn this from you. Okay. Now, as far as new plants are concerned, other new plants, not vegetables, new plants, if the garden beds have already been prepared, it yep. is time, it's a good time really to get those new plants into the ground, isn't it? Yes, there, there it is. And it doesn't have to depend on warm soil necessarily. No. Um, and, and you've got a great opportunity here in terms of, of being, you know, really cost effective because there's a, still a lot of bare-rooted plants available from the wholesale mm. or even from the, the you know, the, the, the retail yep. people. Um, so you can still get bare-rooted apples and pears because that, they won't be showing any signs of life just yet. Yep. But if, if, if even if you, you want to go and get some apricots and nectarines and peaches and things, even if they've got flowers on them, if you are very gentle and very careful about taking those those plants out of the bags, just gently shaking off the the the, um, the sawdust that's mm. keeping those roots moist, you can still get away at this time of the year with bare rooted nectarines, peaches. All right, fantastic. But, so get out yeah, there, get out there and have a look. Get to the nursery before they start getting some roots on them. Okay, fertilizer. Our plants are going to be very busy growing at this time, so they'll be hungry. What can we use to give the entire garden a good feed? Because it's the beginning of a new season and usually I try to okay. think, okay, I've got to feed my plants at the beginning of each season. Yep. All right, so we, we get back to using um, pelletised fertiliser. So putting something like Rooster Booster down is going to, going to be a, a good um, all-round feed. Good all-round feed. But by do, if you're doing that and, and the plants are just starting to show a little bit of life, then I'd recommend that you get in there with a bit of liquid fertiliser. So something like liquid Charlie Carp mm-hmm. or Power Feed. Go-go because because that will give that will give the the plants a quick 
um, boost mm -hmm. as the, the pelletized fertilizer breaks down and gets down to the soil and becomes that enzyme. Is Neutrog's go-go juice good for that as well or is that um, not? Neutrog go-go juice is very good, but it's more um, a probiotic or more a okay. – um, it contains a lot of microbes and so okay. forth. So it's good if you put down Rooster Booster, give it a dose, dose of go-go juice after that okay. and that'll, that'll be fantastic for it. People still think that they're fertilizing by putting out sea salt and that sea oh, salt is not it's a, a fertilizer. Tonic. It's it is a tonic. a tonic. I know. It just gives them a little bit of a boost. Yes, <laughs> yes. Like we all need sometimes. Yeah. Can we also use uh, Rusabusa on our pot plants? Is yes, that you okay? can. And, and, and if you're going to be using um, any of those sorts of things around pot plants, put the pellets around the edge of the actual pots, not near the trunk. Okay. Because the roots are not near the trunk. The roots are going out towards mm, the edge. Mm. So if you put them around the edge of the pots and then give that a water in, That'll go that, down that'll work to where down they quite need to nicely. Go. Okay, now citrus trees, they're always hungry and should be fed throughout the seasons. Absolutely. Don't stop no. through winter. That shouldn't have stopped. No. And for God's sake, with citrus trees, don't use granular fertilisers, which are just chemical crap. Mm. Use, okay. use a, 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 a good um, organic fertiliser for citrus. Like? Neutrogs, Neutrogs. Gigantic. gigantic is brilliant for it. It's yes. just an absolute ripper. Yep. Another thing that you, you want to be considering in early spring is if, if you've got a kaikuyu lawn or a cooch lawn or a buffalo lawn, yep. this is the time that you should be going out there and giving rooster booster at a handful per square metre. Mm -hmm. And I say rooster booster rather than dynamic lifter because rooster booster is cheaper and, and you know, cheaper and just as That's effective. Fantastic stuff, yep. um, you get a 20 kilo bag for about 18, 19 bucks, mm -hmm. um, whereas the dynamic lifter is a smaller bag and it's more expensive. Mm -hmm. So we say rooster booster, not because we get a kickback, because we don't. Because we don't. <laughs> We'd like one. Um, a handful of the square metre and put that out now. Um, and then what you want to do then is, is aerate your lawn. So yes. if you've got a, if you're lucky enough to own a broad fork, yes. get that in and open that soil up. By FD Ryan. FD Ryan. Yes. They have fabulous broad forks. Yes. And they're not expensive and no. beautifully made. And they're fun to use. Yep. Um, and then if you've got those sorts of kakuyu, cooch, buffalo lawns. Spreading lawns. Spreading lawns. Yep. So st st stoloniferous grasses, as they're called, yes. creep across the ground. Yep. After you've given them a feed, allow the rooster booster to, to, to work its way down into the soil. So a little, give it a, a couple of weeks. And then what you need to do then is get your lawnmower and put it on the lowest setting you can get and drag it across those, that, those stoloniferous, um, grasses. Mm. Cut it back as hard as you can. Even if you can cut it back to almost back to ground level, mm. brilliant. Mm. And then, Leave it, leave it, and just watch what happens then as the temperatures come in, because those grasses will go bang, and then you raise your mower back up to the higher setting and leave it there for the whole. So you do it once. So do basically, it once. you've done your aeration and you've done your feeding. feeding. Then you go knock the lower, the, the go to the lower, lower right setting. down to the lower yep. setting once, and then and, and then leave go it back and yeah, go back to and a then higher go back setting. To a higher setting from then on yep. throughout yep. the year. You do. Right. And, and that way, I mean, if you were to come and have a look at my my Kaikuyu lawn in the backyard now, it is dark green. Mm. 
Even oh. though it's a dormant temperate grass or that will go dormant, mm. if you leave it nice and long, you'll keep the greenness all year round. Right. Okay. And by cutting all this back, you're getting rid of the thatch, which is a which is a dirty layer of mulch that 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 happens within those grasses. So you're setting it up for success for the whole year again. That's fantastic. What about if someone's planting a new lawn? Is this a good time? It's a great time, mm. um, and you can you can either use seed. To do that, or if you're going to, if you if you're going to put down, say, a cooch lawn or a buffalo lawn, um, what I would suggest you do is is you um, break the soil up and you know make it as nice and friable as you possibly can. If, and if it means rotary hoeing or bringing in some new soil, then do that. And if you can go out and find um, someone who's got who sells rolls of of these grasses that mm. you want. Mm. Then you, all you need to do is go and buy a couple of rolls mm. and then cut them up into small squares, say about 100 mil by 100 mil, and plant them about into the ground, about, say, half a metre apart. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then fertilise it and then just let that grass come to life and it'll, it'll, it'll go spread. across and it'll colonise all the bare patches. Yeah. And by the, by, the, by the end of spring, you'll have a beautiful lawn. Yeah, I know. It's fantastic stuff. Yeah. Yep. Okay, wonderful. Now, pest control is the next thing I want to ask you about. It's not just the garden that will have woken up. Pests will be looking out for something to eat as well, which is mm. not good. What should we be looking out for at this time? Well, with citrus, you're looking for a citrus leaf miner or scale. On the bu- on the buds on on the on the branches, um, and the telltale sign sign there is little ants crawling up. Yeah. So the the ants are going up to the scale, which is stuck to the to the leaves, and they're sucking the sugars out of the out of the leaves, and they then they exude their excess out through the the, the, the back of their bodies, yeah. and that's where the, the 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 ants come up and harvest that mm. sugary sugary substance to take it back to the nest yeah. so there's always a, a problem there and when they take it off they, they've walked over the the you know the the, the sugars yeah. and they put that sugars on the branches as they're going down and that causes then black sooty mold oh. to come on it so you've got then you've got three problems mm-hmm. so always always go out and have a little look another big problem this time of the year and it's, this is going to be a shocking year for it because of the wetness that we've had it's going to be a bad year for earwigs I'm in a real bad year. Okay, right. Um, so you can use, you can, if, if, and, and earwigs like to go into mulchy areas or into damp areas. So there's a few ways you can uh, tackle them. Um, I like to use a, a bit of newspaper, wet, roll it up and stick it where in the, in the, in the veggie gardens. And you do that, put it out at, at, at um, in the afternoon and then the following morning go out, pick that newspaper up and just open it up. Over a bin or something, and you'll see that that, that, that that's where the the, the earwigs are. have gone into because mm. it's a great little environment yeah, for little them. Home. Yep. Uh, another thing you can use for for earwigs is um, if you see them, you can use a an oil and just spray that over them. You can even use dishwashing oil mixed up into into a you know a sprayer and just spray them. That'll kill them. Or you can use what's called diatomaceous earth. That's mm. another great thing to to. Sp- just to sprinkle around, and mm. um, that will kill the, the earwigs on that what as well. What sort of damage do earwigs mostly do? If, if you if you've got um, say, and I'll, I'll give you an example. Say if you've got um, basil, for instance, and you go out there and you see all these little tiny holes around the leaves. That's, that's generally bad. from earwigs. Okay. All right? Okay. So they're, they're chewing little chewing insects. Those um, things you want to be also looking out for, and I noticed when I was mowing the grass. 
the, um, yesterday that as I brushed against the hedge, there was quite a few little white flies starting to come out. Mm. Now, they're going to be breeding and getting ready to attack the tomatoes when they go in. So I would suggest if you see any, any little white flies going around, get out the eco neem and give everything a spray okay. of eco neem yes. and do it again yep. you know in a in a couple of weeks time yep. and then a couple of weeks time after that do it again uh, do it again okay. as well okay. and that the eco neem will be absorbed by the leaves yes. and as the bugs suck it it will kill them. Yes, that's right. We it's had that conversation the other day, I think, didn't we? So there's, so there's lots of lots of pests that you should be looking out for. Oh, but it's observation. Get out there. And I mean, aphids are real, going to be a real problem, I think, yes. as well. And the good old snails. Well, they, they don't never stop being a problem, do they? Really? They don't. Cabbage moth. Oh, your that's favourite. well. That's coming. That's coming into summer. Yeah, oh, okay, as, not, as yet, it warms not yet. Not yet. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, what sort of other control methods do we, or what control methods do we suggest? Things like shade cloth, wire cages. What you know for our for our vegetables. Um, well, what do you usually use. Yeah, I look. I generally put nets over mine, okay. uh, all my tomatoes, because um, and, and nets are nets are the are the key. A lot of people think that um, you if you put nets up, you're stopping the bees coming in. Well. Tomatoes don't need bees to in, to to produce tomatoes. The, the the pollen will, you know, do its do its own thing, okay. and the the tomatoes will come. So you don't need bees for tomatoes, mm. and you, you don't need bees if you're growing broccoli mm. or lettuce mm. or anything else like that because you're eating eating the actual um, heads before they become flowers that yeah, then right. become fertilised by the bees and then become seeds. Yes. So you're getting everything before then. So what are we leaving for the bees? Well, well, my garden is lots and lots of perennials, flowers and things, yep. yes. heaps and heaps of flowers okay. for them. Good, good. Yep. good. Um, but if, you, if you're going to put nets up, do do the right thing and get a two mil micron net. Don't use the old type, which are now banned, mm, you know, the, big, the bigger open ones, because they're trapping birds. birds yep. Two mil micron, and that'll stop. Even if you put them over your brassicas, will even stop those stinking white butterfly cabbage moths coming in. Okay. Now, what about black spot on roses? That's always fun. Oh God! <laughs> yeah, it, it, everything needs a good spray, you yeah. know, with, for, to remove black spot, and and give the soil a drench as well, because the, the that fungal spores are going to be in the soil as well as in any little crevices on your roses. Okay. So give them a good spray. Okay. What, what have you got a recommendation for one um, spray? Yeah, I, look, I would suggest that you, you you just use lime sulphur. Okay. It's a good, effective all rounder for okay. uh, for spraying. Petal blight on azaleas. I think I've got it. There's an azalea out there that's got uh, that's got very white leaves. Is that petal blight? Well, can't, you can't see it right now. You're looking no, out the I window. Can't. I'm turning my head. I can't see it. <laughs> um, I think you'll find that that the, the, one of the main problems with azaleas is actually red spider mite, okay. which would be on the underside parts of the leaves, and they're just sucking all the chlorophyll out, all the goodness out of the leaves. Oh, so that's why the leaves are whiteish. Yes, that's right. Oh, that'll, that'll be that'll be red, red spider, spider mite. Oh, yeah, dear. or two spotted mm. spider mite, or whatever we want to call them now. Okay, um, and that's going to need a, and I would just use an eco oil mixed with um, neem oil spray okay. underneath the leaves I'll get rid of the yep. azalea I'll get rid Poor of the azalea, azalea. Sorry, <laughs> well it sounds like we have our work cut out for us is there anything else that we haven't mentioned no I don't think so look it, it's a great time now to be planting things like strawberry runners okay all right okay. it's great to get those in yes um, and if you do that Mulch them with, with pine needles because that'll deter snails and slugs crawling across the pine needles. They slip? They, no, because they get stabbed. Oh. They don't like it very much oh. at all. Okay. Um, 
and, and pine needles are great because it actually, for, even for blueberries, because it, it keeps the yes. pH in that acidic yes, range, yes. which is what they weren't. But I guess a bit of hard work now will set yep. you up for a success for the rest of the season. That's so true. And it's, an ex- it's just an exciting time because we've got all this lovely new growth and colour that's about to spring up yep. into our gardens. So it really is a fun time. And it's the perfect time for me to get moving with my new garden. Happy gardening, everybody. Thank you for listening to Muddy Boots. For more information on today's podcast, please go to muddyboots.net.au and happy gardening.